Hello, everyone. This is Deborah Brown Volkman, podcast host for Wisdom Comes with Wrinkles. A little bit about the podcast. Getting older in the workplace is not something to be feared. It is something to be celebrated. You have gone through what you've gone through, and you have battle wounds and scars, and, and that's the wrinkles. And I think it's worth it. I think it's worth to have a little wrinkles and a little bagginess because you have this wisdom to give it back. And that is the goal of this podcast where guests come on and they share their lessons learned that they want to pay it forward to the next generation. Um, I always have a logistical thing, which is I have a yellow pad. I take notes. Some of you are listening to this podcast. Some of you are watching the podcast. When guests speak, I like to capture what they say in the moment and I write it down. I write it down. So welcome. So my guest today is, I want to make sure I get this right, is Vicki Elner. She's amazing. With all the guests, I have a pre-conversation with them to talk about the lesson and what's the focus for the podcast. Unbelievable woman, a strong, powerful, focused. It's going to be a good interview. Very exciting. So Vicki is a certified grief recovery specialist. Um, she's a nurse. She has over 30 years of experience. So Vicki, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Zebra, for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yay. All right. So tell, so grief recovery. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's a big topic. That's a heavy topic, but when you talk about it, you're so passionate, you're so passionate about it. So, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about your journey. So um, my journey is professional and personal. Um, you know, we all experience grief um, and uh, doing the training for a grief recovery as a grief recovery specialist, you really find that grief comes in different packages, whether they're tangible or intangible. Um, and the, the tangible is the obvious. You lost somebody you love, a person, a pet. Uh, the intangible could be, gee whiz, you lost a job or you went to a new job or something happened, you know, in your personal life. There's about 40 life events that can constantly a grief or a grief response. So, um, so in terms of what happened with me with the grief recovery specialist is that as a nurse, um, I have walked that path of grief with people for you know the thirty plus years that I've been a nurse, uh, which is you know complicated and certainly you have to be mm -hmm. sensitive, empathetic, uh, and understand. But I wanted to formalize it a little more. So uh, that came out of uh, actually out of COVID. Um, I lost a brother to COVID mm -hmm. um, in November of two thousand twenty. He died um, in. In, in, on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so that was oh. a major shift in my life. Um, and then 10 months later, I lost another brother. I'm the youngest in the family and uh, the youngest of my three brothers uh, passed away from it. He was ill. So um, grief really came knocking at my door in, uh, you know, in first uh, in the middle of COVID to be dealing with the loss of so many things that we were unfortunately getting accustomed to. Um, and then of course, losing two people who were so close to me and the sibling, you know, sibling loss is very unique. I, I think any loss is unique, but the sibling <laughs> loss, uh, people like to say our siblings are our past, our future, our past, our present and our future. So, uh, you know, in 10 months, I really lost that. And at a time where I thought that my brothers and I would be at, you know, at the age that we're at, I'm 71 years old, they're all older than me, that we would be kind of reconciling our lives and looking back on the things that we've done, our family values and, you know, how we've grown. Um, now half of us are gone. 
Wow. So um, that really perpetuated me to say, gee, what what else is there that I could do? And a friend of mine who's a psychotherapist did the same program that I did. And he really sensitized me to the importance of it and the passion that I had inside of me. So I went through the training. Um, in fact, I'm taking the advanced training next month. Okay. And I have to tell you, this training for me was life changing. It really was because it's a specific method, a process that you go through and you have to know that for yourself and tell the truth about yourself and how you're feeling really before you can start helping other people. Um, and when you start looking at the different components or the people, the, the players in your life that may affect a grief response, it really is. It's, it's startling and it's freeing as well. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because there's been so much written about grief, the five stages. Is mm -hmm. it is, is the training is the training similar to the five stages that you go through? So you're talking about Kubler Ross, and when I went yeah. to, went to nursing school back in uh, ninety in the nineties, uh, that was quote unquote the gold standard. They were still teaching that. The reality of it is, and the truth of it is, and I you know I don't want to talk out of school, but I understand that uh, Kubler Ross is also kind of like retracted from that five stages because there really is not five distinct stages. It just isn't. Okay. You know these things ebb and flow depending on so many factors. I mean how you're feeling emotionally, how you're feeling from from a uh, position of strength uh, what's happening in your life and you know one day and I have found you know relevant to uh, you know my grief and I lost my parents you know unfortunately we don't live forever and you know that and I'm not going to call it normal because it's not normal but it is a part of life it is. Um, yeah but uh, you know my brother's a little bit different um, that you start you know you um, with these stages is that you know one day you've I don't know if I've ever denied it, but you know, I certainly have different varying levels of grief, or something will trigger it. You know, my uh, my uh, two of my brothers, one one of my surviving brothers, and one of my brothers that passed, uh, they lived out in the Midwest. So one was a Kansas State fan, and one was a University of Kansas, and they play each other, and they just did last weekend. And this came up in conversation with my surviving brother, and you know that kind of flood of she whiz, you know, I wish I could call my brother today and just say, mm -hmm. hey, Rich, you know, I bet you you and Marty are having that old ball game talk again and when uh, that one upmanship. So um, it's difficult. It, well, it flows, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you went through that. Hmm. Um, and I, re I really am. And I agree with you. You know, I lost my dad eight years ago. He had a, a hemorrhotic stroke. He had a stroke. He never woke up. So that was hmm. it. And I didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to my dad. And, you know, there are moments that I'm very peaceful about it, but there's moments where I'm not like I can be fine. And this is eight years later. And then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll see a picture or I'll hear a song. So like, you, you know what you said about the grief, it ebbs and flows. It's a, it, it's, it's a part of life. I mean, I think it gets better over time, but I don't think it ever goes away. Yeah, of course, losing a, a you know somebody that you love so much to COVID is has it really does have a special delineation because you know we have been through so much in a relatively short period of time. Uh, we've lost loved ones and we've lost our really our spontaneity. Uh, we have to think about different things. That in itself is a grief response thing. Yes. So, uh, and I had the same experience you had. I mean, my brother, one minute he was in a long-term facility in, wow. in, the cent you know, in the middle of the United States. And then very shortly thereafter, he was gone. So uh, it was uh, pretty dramatic. Oh, sorry about that. 
Um, so there's a there's a couple of things that I want to say. One mm -hmm. is sometimes a career finds you. You know, like sometimes you go after a career and then sometimes it finds you. So it seems like this one found you. And when you and I, we had our, our conversation, we spoke about how prevalent mental illness is and how it's coming to the forefront in the workplace, but not so much about grief. So mm -hmm. do, do you think more, do you think um, more can be done when it comes to grief in the workplace? For sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we seem to have, um, you know, in, in this country, a, um, not an indifference to, but, you know, it's like, go to work, you know, stiff upper lip, uh, you're back here, you should be productive. But the reality of it is, it's really hard to separate your grief and what you're going through from your day-to-day -day work. Uh, now, I mean, there's reality also. I mean, there's, there's certainly it's re relative to what is your job. I mean, you have to be there. I mean, there's two words. There's absenteeism and there's presenteeism. I don't know if people are familiar with that. Absenteeism, well, that's the obvious. Somebody is home and if they're grieving, they might be. The other is presenteeism where they are at work, but they are present, but they're not there. Um, so what are you doing? I mean, I as a nurse, if I'm, if I'm not present, what am I doing? Am I putting my quote, my product, which is a human being, um, you know, at risk because of what's happening to me? So you have to be really uh, cognizant of that. Yeah. Um, but, but but what do you think? What do you think people could do? Like, let's say, yeah. let's say you were in the workplace. I mean, you lost a brother, you lost another brother. You know, mm -hmm. what are what are some tips that people can can do when they're at work? Well, I think that certainly, uh, you know, the people that you work, your coworkers, your uh, your employers, uh, your management, uh, you know, should uh, you know uh, honor your grief. Okay. Uh, and you know, is there something that can be done? I, you know, or we can do for you. Um, how can we work with you around this? Um, the other thing is. What are you saying? You know, uh, and I think that's another thing that we have a difficult time with in terms of uh, the when you are responding to somebody with grief, uh, you know, uh, things like, uh, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Well, you know yeah. what? Maybe we shouldn't take maybe. First of all, we shouldn't be for the religious part of it. And maybe we shouldn't be saying things like that. Maybe it should be, you know, we're so sorry for your loss or if there's anything I can do to help you. Um, I think that we need to be, you know, really compassionate and empathetic. Mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting. Uh, shortly after my brother passed away, I saw a Today segment where a uh, his name is Rabbi Steve Leader. He wrote a book, The Beauty of What Remains. And as a man of faith, he went through a you know a journey with people like I have you know when people are uh, passing um, and he lost his father twice once to Alzheimer's and then when he passed away and he came he became sensitized in a different way so um he the book the name of his book beauty of what remains you know what I find this really interesting we are so afraid to say to people you know hey you know what tell me something about your brother you know, what did he like or what was he like? Because we're afraid that we're going to remind that person that yeah. they have lost somebody. You know what? Take it from me. <clears throat> we don't forget. <laughs> it's there every day of our lives after we mm. lose them. So I think that there has to be kind of a, um, you know, a different stance. Um, and if the word is comfort, we're talking to people about their grief and what's happening with them and letting them express themselves and being sensitive to it.
Good. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. So now let's segue over to to your lesson, which Mm. is don't retire, rewire. So tell me about that lesson. Well, how much I love that when I hear it, because Mm -hmm. I have, well, I've rewired a couple of times in my life. First, when I was in my 40s, um, I was in industry that was shrinking and I was the last one in, first one out and found myself like, oh my God, I'm on unemployment. What am I going to do next? I led a path that led me to uh, nursing, which I have to tell you, healthcare has been a very, very good career for me over the years. I've done a lot of really interesting things um, and uh, and things that I'm totally passionate about and feel I feel like if I wasn't there things would have been different for the people I've cared for um, and uh, so I you know I um, uh, a couple of years ago but in 2018 um, I I'm a founder of a not-for-profit that I ran for about 20 years uh, okay. that was uh, focused on aging issues and a voice for senior issues. And that's something that's also in my DNA. I'm very passionate about aging issues. And I had some health problems. And um, I kind of say, gee whiz, I, I, I put my organization on hiatus. And, you know, when I was home. And while I was home, I was saying, you know what? What should I do next? You know, I don't think that I really want to go back to what I was doing. Or do I? Um, there was a lot of either confusion and not really making the decision about it. And then as I started to feel better, I said, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't retire. Maybe I should rewire. And that started percolating. And finally, what happened was I went to a meeting that a a friend of mine was speaking at. It was the first meeting I went to. And um, when I got there, I said, oh, my God, I still have that spark inside of me. You know, I still feel that passion. I still feel Mm -hmm. like I want to be, for me, what is uh, important is to feel useful, purposeful. I'm doing things meaningful. So I just went into a different phase of my professional life and I divided my career, you know, proportionately in different areas. Um, one still doing nursing. I do, um, I, I visit uh, people with a physician uh, doing house calls. Mm-hmm. I also do patient healthcare advocacy and man- management. Mm-hmm. Um, after spending so many years in healthcare, I'm pretty adept at the different areas, whether it's nursing home, hospitals, assisted living, uh, et cetera, um, how to navigate through that. And when people need that level of intervention and, and, uh, and support. And um, I started doing, uh, so I started doing that outreach and government affairs, which, um, you know, I do, uh, I have a very, very vast background in marketing and business development. So I can help people with strategic planning. It sounds like, is she mixed up? But really- No, you know, no, I, it sounds, no, it's not at all. Actually, yeah. it sounds like you're doing a lot of things and it's under yeah. the umbrella of- Yeah. And I love it. I just love the diversity of it. I love the the meaningfulness of it. And I really love that. You know what? When we are met with a challenge or a question, that all we have to do is kind of step back for a second and figure out what could be next for us. And the not retire rewired also led itself into a uh, component or a uh, philosophy of not done yet. And what does that mean? Not done yet. You know what? Uh, you know, we say people say, oh, it's 65 to retire. First of all, you know, hopefully that will never that won't ever be carved into something that says you have to. And although there's still some areas that do. But you know what? 
I think the beauty of us as, as human beings, as people who have vision and can feel our creativity, and I love this. I love my pows and my wows, my words of wisdom and my pearls of wisdom, where we still have those things to share out there, where we can recreate ourselves. So the not done yet, well, maybe you were forced out of a job, or maybe you decided that you were going to change jobs, or maybe somebody like me who said, you know, I'm going to retire. And I said, you know what? I'm not ready to retire. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Making the difference out there, you know, for myself, for people, you know, that are within my, uh, you know, in my uh, sphere, so to speak, and um, that I can help and feel that, you know, uh, that I've, I've, I don't know, that I've uh, supported somebody. I just feel that when I leave this planet, that I want to feel that I've reconciled all these different things and I've lived my life to the fullest. And if, if the fullest is tomorrow, I decide to retire and that's what I want to do. That's fine. Also, I'm just not done yet. I'm yes. Not- I, I almost think we're going to change your lesson to you're, you're not done yet. Mm. Mm. Yes. Right. Mm. Because when, when you talk about it, I just, you know, it just, it, it resonates. Like I feel it. I have goosebumps. Mm. Okay. All right. So um, 20 minutes goes quick. It goes really mm. quick. So is there anything that you would like to say before we wrap up? Oh, well, I said a lot here. Um, I, you know, I think that we should, um, first of all, with grief in the grief in the workplace or otherwise, you know what? I don't think people really understand or really come to terms with the grief they have. And certainly that's something that should be explored because it becomes like a backpack on us and we're putting stones and boulders and we're carrying around and we're really not sure. And we haven't processed through it, you know, uh, that it might be time to like explore that. I did that through my training. Uh, That's one thing. The other is, I just think that, you know what, Uh, you just need to uh, be your own best friend and uh, support yourself and, you know, spread your, um, I'm grateful and joyful every day of my life. Not every second of the day, but every day I wake up in the morning, that's a good start. And then from there, I just feel that, you know what, the world has so much to offer us, you know, is when we choose to take, when we choose to pick up on it and enjoy it and, um, you know, be a friend to ourselves, others, and, um, you know, and make a difference in this world, whatever that difference is to everybody. I love it. Lots of lessons, lots of lessons, lots of really good lessons. So, uh-huh. all right. So people can find you on LinkedIn, right? So uh, I will include a link in, in this interview. You'll see a link and also your phone number, right? People yes. can call you. Do you want to say what your phone number is? 516-455-9612. All right. So I appreciate you coming here today. It's you know, it's a big deal to, uh, to share your story. It, it really is. And you are just so courageous and you're making a big impact in the world. It's like you've taken everything that, that has happened to you and you've picked yourself up and you said, I want to give it back. So your healing is not just for you. It's like you're, you want to help other people heal as well. Um, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank it you. really is. It's a wonderful really thing that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to, you know, share this 20 minutes with you. You're, you know, you are an inspiration and uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for being here. So everyone, this is Deborah Brown Volkman, podcast host of Wisdom Comes with Wrinkles. You spent time with us today. I want to say thank you very much and I will see you next time. Thank you.